Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. The following program is sponsored by Dan Witham, LPL Financial. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. The opinions represented during this show may not necessarily represent those of KRMG or Cox Media Group. Your host is Dan Witham, a financial advisor with offices at 8516 East 101st Street, Suite C. In Tulsa. His office phone number is 918-398-8387. Dan is a branch manager with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Now here's Money Talk on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Good Sunday morning to you. My name's Russell Mills and you have found Money Talk here on News 1023 KRMG in the studio with me. Mr. Dan Witham and Mr. Steve Money, we're here every Sunday live and local talking about all aspects of our financial lives. If you've got questions for us today, give us a text at 95920 or give us a call, 918-460-KRMG. That's 460-5764. As is his want, Mr. Witham gives away books Every week, and this week, of course, no exception. What do we got going? That's right. We have a great book this week. It's by Jack Bogle, Russell, who you may have heard of. I don't know, but he's the founder of Vanguard. Vanguard guy. The little mutual fund company, the little startup mutual fund company. <laughs> yeah, a little, I think the first or second biggest in the got world, actually. My money working for me somewhere. Good. So that's good. Hopefully, I'm glad to hear it. well. Anyhow, this book is called The Little Book of Common Sense Investing. It is written by Jack Bogle, the founder of the Vanguard Company, which is a massive investment company, one of the biggest in the world, in fact. And Warren Buffett, I believe this, uh, Russell said this about Jack Bogle. He said that if a statue is ever erected to honor the person who's done the most for American investors, he said, hands down, it should be Jack Bogle. Wow. High so, praise for Mr. Is, Buffett. Yeah, that's from a great investor himself, no doubt. One of the best okay. investors, always, obviously. This book teaches you how to build a broadly diversified portfolio, basically with index funds, which is what Jack Bogle is a big advocate of, uh, Vanguard being you know his company, of course. And it also teaches you how to understand that stock returns are generated by three sources, dividend yield, earnings growth, and change in market valuation. The book teaches you how to recognize in the long run that business reality trumps expectations. Steve, what do you oh, think about that? Well, no, that's right. Reality does trump a whole lot of things. Yeah. Not just in business. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. So I think he's trying to say that you, what you think is going to happen isn't always what's going to happen necessarily. You know, literally every day of my life when I have uh, somebody's just been arrested and they come in and they want to tell me how innocent they are and right. and how this ought to work and how that ought to work. And, I, and without fail, I, I take a line out of the movie Platoon. Uh, there's the way it ought to be. And there's the way it is. That's right. And, and, and while you're living in the world of how it ought to be, I live in the world of here's how it is. That's a big difference uh, in worlds. There. Absolutely. Yeah. People have different perceptions about the investments in, in the legal world. Certainly. We'll send you a free copy of this excellent book by Jack Bow with a little book of common sense investing. We'll also send you information on our momentum strategy that uses index funds, exchange traded funds we use, which Vanguard puts out many of those. Actually, they, Didn't they he kind of invent? 
that idea. I don't know if he did or not. The first one was from SPY, which is from SMP, which is called a spider. We call them spiders. But uh, so that was the first one that came out. The first certainly ETF. the one who grew it into a massive multi-billion-dollar yes. business. Yeah, Vanguard has many ETFs, and we so use several we, of them. I'm sorry, I interrupt. So how do we get our free book? Dan? Okay, what do we do? You just need to call me at nine one eight three nine eight eight three eight seven. That's nine one eight three nine eight eighty three eighty seven. Just leave us your name and your address. It is the weekend, so you will get our voicemail. And just leave your name and address. We'll send you this excellent book by Jack Bogle and the information on our momentum strategies, which are doing very, very well this year. They're up, you know, seven or eight times with the S&Ps up here to date and uh, just rocking along, doing doing extremely well. And we'll talk maybe a little bit about that on the show today also. But we're going to talk about the chicken tax first. Oh, the chicken tax. Have, have either, either of you ever heard of this? No, thing? I'm, I'm, I haven't. This is news to me. <laughs> I hadn't until I ran across this article on the web the other day, a couple days ago. And it was it's quite interesting. The chicken tax is a tax, it's a misnomer, it's a tax on automobiles. Oh, well, who wouldn't make that connection, <laughs> you that? know? Yeah. Golly. <laughs> Anyhow, it was a response to a tax back when Lyndon Baines Johnson was president, yep. LBJ, back in the 60s. The Europeans put a huge tariff on chickens being exported from the U.S. to Europe. Okay, does this sound familiar? It's like deja vu? I, I'm all over again. Deja vu all over again. <laughs> okay. I'm hearing the word tariff on the yes. news a lot these okay. days. Yes. So anyhow, that is why, that's why I found this article very interesting. So what the U.S. did to the Europeans under LBJ was they decided to impose a 25% tariff on Im imported cargo vans and trucks into the U.S. And this is still in place oh. today, believe it or not. Yes. So what Ford does... To get around this is they import passenger vans with seats, rows of seats in the back and seat belts in the back. Yeah. And they take the and then they seats take, out. take them out when they hit land and <laughs> oh, they take the seat oh, belts man. out and they cover the windows and it's, voila, it's a cargo van. Wow. And they avoided the import tax. Well, this saves them $250 million a year in taxes which is a sizable amount of That's money. That's not bad. And you can't, you know, the, the, the government gets mad at them and says you can't do this. And they said, well, we're importing a passenger van, which is exempt from the tariff, and then we're converting it to a cargo van. Show me the law that says yeah. we can't do that. Right. <laughs> and they're right. Obviously, they're correct and the way they do it. And there's lots of companies that engage in similar things like this. It's kind of hard with a lot of other things like chickens. You can't really change a chicken into another animal. Yeah, that into a passenger <laughs> chicken or, you know. <laughs> Make it look like a Cargo cow. Cargo a cow or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it's it's an interesting phenomenon when you get into the world of tariffs because, you know, we think about tariffs in the U.S. and legislation in the U.S. and how we pass things and, and how our republic works, if you will, or democracy, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to refer to it as. But not every country operates the way we do. You know, I lived in Chile way back right. in the day, right. and they didn't they didn't operate like this. You know, Congress people didn't get up and yell at the president because you would disappear if you did yeah. things like that in Chile. <laughs> you, you would never be found, you know, let's just put it that way. Uh, that was under Pinochet I'm referring to yeah. when, when he was in charge. Down at, that's when I lived there, when Pinochet, the dictator, was in charge. Wait, wait, wait. So, wait would, would, would that not also be an election that the United States government interfered in back in those days? One of many. One of many. One of many, right. yes. And we interfered in everybody's elections yes, that our, we're talking about. Our, our beloved CIA was heavily involved That's down right. there. Let's just put it that way and put it, so, to put it mildly. Yes. Our, our outrage is very selective. Yes, and that kills me when we get mad at the Russians for interfering yeah. in our election because we've been yeah. doing it for decades. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so bro, because we never it tried. It's a little ironic, know. yes. Yeah. And, and, we, and we will continue to do it. Absolutely. I mean, it's and not so like, will the Russians. Right. It's not like we're not going to try to do it. I mean, we're, we're trying to do it every day around the world, I, I can tell you. And anyhow, it's uh, what I'm trying to say is, 
different countries like China may impose a tariff on us, and they can do it a lot faster than we may be able to do it, depending on what the presidential power is and what you think his power is or is not, if he can do that by himself, you know, unilaterally or not, you know, with or without Congress's approval I'm referring to. But in other countries, there's no question we have leaders that can do it unilaterally, you know, that have the power to do it unilaterally, and they often do. And so, you know, when we do... You know, we were talking before we came in here, Steve, about unintended consequences. Yeah. And, you know, there's things that have unintended consequences. You can't always anticipate what your opponent is going to do, say China or whoever it might be, to your tariffs, you know, coming over there. You know, they can impose tariffs on us or they can reduce tariffs on us. You know, in the end, I think I think that Trump's moves are just a maneuver to get them to the table. I don't think he's... I don't think he wants those tariffs to stay in place. I don't think they're ever going to become a reality. He really does have a pattern to what he does. Right. And and having spent almost 25 years in the Medicare world and dealing with bureaucracies, they will call that process of taking the van seats out, gaming the system. And they they hate that. You know, we're going to game the system. Right. The Healthcare providers are going to game the system. It's like, no, bro, we just figure out how to get around your rules. That's not right. gaming the system. Don't blame the player, blame the game kind of a thing. Absolutely. And so even on these tariffs, you know, and I'm just kind of making this up, but, you know, uh, we, we could say, okay, well, we're going to send those vans or they're going to send those vans to uh, XYZ country where the, we have no tariffs against them, and then we won't buy them from the original country. Right. We'll buy them from an intermediary country that's right. and we'll skip those taxes all the way around. Oh, they're a game in the system. No, bro. That's the game. You yeah. Know? We'll import them from Brazil. We'll import them from Brazil. Yeah. Or, Instead yeah, of yeah. Europe. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about this, Steve, with, with regard to Freakonomics. The government oftentimes, both parties do this. They operate in a vacuum. Absolutely. They think that if I do X to Steve and impose a tariff on Steve, he's not going to do anything to get around it. He's just going to pay it. He's just going to pay and it. And our revenue is going to go up $250 million. Well, Steve figures out real quick that he doesn't have to do that. And uh, so the revenue doesn't come in anywhere near anticipated. And this happens with both parties across the board. That's I've right. seen it many, many times over. They project these revenues, uh, you know, like we have the marijuana law that just passed, the medical marijuana, right? right. They're projecting revenue from that at X amount of whatever it might be. And I, I can almost guarantee you it's going to come in below whatever that number is. Because that's true of almost every bill that we pass. Yeah. You know, the motel tax, you name it. It doesn't matter I mean, which one go it is. Go back and look at um, the lottery. Right. And, uh, you know, they... The estimates of what that was going to bring into the state for the education were wildly exaggerated. Yes. And that was uh, a Democrat governor at the time, Brad Henry, right? I think, I think you're right. Yes. Um, but but you're right. It's both both sides. They both do it. And, uh, yeah, it's that's probably not going to change Well, you know, there, there's two soon. more state questions coming up, and I think that they specifically allocate where that marijuana money is supposed to go. They do. So it'll be very interesting to see, A, if it passes, and B, if that money actually goes there, because C, I don't believe it will. Did the bill that just passed, though, it didn't explicitly state where the money goes or did it? I, I can't remember. I cannot remember. Uh, yeah. I, and it's not it's not a short um, bill, so I, I would have to look that up. I'm not sure. But I do know some of the money is earmarked. For the general education. Well, and we have found out recently that some of that bill is subject to interpretation. Well, what bill is it? Recreation. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick time out, lads. And I know we've got a lot more to talk about. But before we go, I just want to remind everybody you can get a free copy of today's book, The Little Book of Common Sense Investing. Trust me, there's not enough common sense involved in people's investments the little book of common sense investing yours absolutely free just call dan's office at 918-398-8387 do be sure and leave your name and address 918-398-8387 more money talk after this on news 1023 krmg
We're not ashamed to tell you this is Money Talk on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. I'm Russell Mills. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we've been talking about the, well, the financial news of the day and tariffs and all kinds of stuff. And we've been talking about the books that Mr. Dan Witham is giving away. And uh, I'll just remind you, we do have, uh, what, about eight minutes till your Fox News newscast. But Dan, what's the book today? The book this week, The Little Book of Common Sense Investing by Jack Bogle, who is the founder of Vanguard, the massive mutual fund company. And he certainly knows a lot about index investing and things like that and common sense investing. And we'll send you a copy of this book for free, plus information on our momentum strategies, which are doing very, very well. It's all free. Just give me a call at 918-398-8387, 918-398-8387. Just leave us your name and your address when you get our voicemail, and we'll send that out to you absolutely free, no cost and no obligation whatsoever. And we talked about the chicken tax last time. Which is not a tax on chickens. It was a retali- retaliatory tax right? because our chickens were being because of a chicken tax Europeans, okay. yes it was actually a tax on cars and when was it though this was you said during the, the johnson administration yeah. okay so yeah so we're going back uh, 50 years more than 50 and years. the tariff still exists believe it or not so i know i totally believe it kind of hard to get rid of those things i guess once we put them into place well steve i got a question for you all right what do you think is more important than the market's response to an event regardless of what event it might be all right your response would be more important if you're the investor. That's what I'm trying to get to. Does that make sense? No, I, it is your response. Okay, right. That's no, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's the uh, it's the guy who every day Mr. Market knocks on your door. That's right, Mr. So, Market. So you got to decide what you're going to do every day. Yep, the market's response we know is going to be emotional. Go back to February of this year. So it's a female market then, right? Every reaction's emotional. Oh, my God. You went there. Oh, oh dear. Oh okay. Gosh. Okay. I hope Chris is asleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she, I think she is. I think I'm safe. Okay. <laughs> but you're right. Money because every time, child, not a stupid child. The, and and I'm not, this is, has nothing to do with femininity, but the market overreacts right. to everything. Yes. And by yes. the way, it's run almost entirely by males. I'm just going to throw that out there. In touch with the feminine side. <laughs> yeah. yes, okay. It's a male-dominated industry. You're, you're correct. Absolutely. It's still, that's changing, but it is at the present time still well, male-dominated. Men have estrogen in their bodies too. So. Yes, yeah. we do. Back in February of this year, we had some jobs numbers that came out for the January, the month of January, and the numbers were really good. Employment was up and uh, the wages were up. As you recall, wages, hourly wages went so up. So naturally, the market went down. Yeah, the market tanked. <laughs> yeah, why, why? <laughs> Who couldn't see that one coming? <laughs> it's like, and what? So let's yeah. talk about emotional responses here. This was clearly an emotional response to a good a number that came out that was very good, very solid, very encouraging. And yet the market tanked to the downside. It fell 11% in 15 trading days. I received many phone calls from clients asking me, what are you going to do? When are you going to sell? I did not sell. No, no. I did not do anything. I said my response was, as always, I'm going to stick to my plan. I'm going to do what my strategy says, which says we wait till the end of the month, and then we'll look at it at the end of the month, it. and right. we'll decide what happens. Now the S&P has recovered. Had I gotten out back then based on some arbitrary event, I would have to get back in based on another arbitrary, arbitrary. event, <laughs> yeah. which you got to pick one. Yeah. I mean, you got to you don't even know which one you're going to use at that point. You know, If you're getting out based on a jobs number that came out, 
are you going to get back in based on the next jobs number? I mean, I mean, because the next jobs number was good. And so you'd have to wait for a bad jobs number right. if, if you're, if you're going out following this logic to get back in and that hasn't happened yet. So this is the difference between proactive and reactive investment. Well, it's also the difference between having a strategy and just winging it. And right. I'll tell you a really bizarre episode I had a few years ago was I had a conversation with a client that went something like this. He called me up and he said, I want to, I want to cash out, liquidate my positions, my stocks and my mutual funds in my account. And I said, well, why, why do you want to do that? And he says, they go up and down every month. And I said, well, yes, yeah. that's what the market does. <laughs> that's how the market works. And, and I said, but you, I, you've been here like three years or so with me. I think I remember. And I said, but every year at the end of the year, you have more money than you did the year before. Because your account has gone up. He wasn't making contributions. So I said, it's gone up from internal growth right, right yeah. in the account. So I said, your, your, your account's gone up every year. And he goes, yes, but it goes down on some months. And I said, well, yes, yep. that's, that's how the market works. So he says, at the end of the conversation... He says, I want to cash out. I want to get out of the market. And I said, okay, what do you want to do with the money? Get, us, get this, Steve. I want to buy gold. Buy gold. I, you know what? <laughs> I started to pop off and say that, and then I thought, no, maybe. That's what he really said. That is. Because it's never been worth zero. And it never, like, it never goes down in value. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but it does, and sometimes it goes up. It goes down a lot in value very quickly sometimes. It can drop yes. pretty precipitously, so, yes. What I'm trying to say is, Sometimes logic just doesn't enter into the whole conversation. And it's hard to have a discussion with somebody, as I've seen on Facebook, when you're arguing logic and they're arguing <laughs> Just talk anything political yeah. right yeah. now in you're America. You're kind of on different pages. You know, you're not on the same page. And it's really frustrating when you're, you're trying to say something to somebody. But they're, they're just using emotion, you know, like people do. We're very emotional about our money, especially when our money goes down, you know, or the account value goes down, whatever you want to call it. We get very, very emotional. And the more emotional we get, the more we dig in our heels. And the more we dig in our heels, the less we listen to logic of any sort. And, you know, I've always said you can show people the graph from year one to year 10 on the S&P 500. And you can show them that it goes up over a 10-year period. It doesn't matter. When it's 2008 and their account's down 30%, they don't care. They're not going to look at that chart. They're not going to pay attention to that chart. So you have to manage. That's why I've always tried to manage the assets, Steve, to where they don't take those big hits and to where they avoid that. So they don't freak out so much because so, people don't like to freak out. So did the guy cash out and buy gold? I was able to convince him. Knocked him out of it. Not to do that. No, I'd like to see what his numbers would have been today if he'd have done that. Well, he'd be down because gold's down. Yeah. It, that was when gold was around 1800 yeah. an ounce, and so it's down from there considerably. So it would not have been a good move. You know, I haven't checked it, but it's been like 12, 13 mm -hmm. in that neighborhood for a long time right. now. Yeah, and I mean, gold would have been a good buy at 300 an ounce. It would have been a great buy at 300 an ounce, but even at 700, you know, 600 or 700. Right. But at 1500, 1300, it's not so much such a great... Uh, Bye-bye. Sounds like we're going to take a time out. Oh, she thought I was cueing her. I wasn't. I was pointing. That's okay. It's okay. We still got about. We still got about a minute here. Okay. So, so get back to the the logic part of it. I mean, having a plan as opposed to being riding your emotions. How right. do you talk people out of being making emotional decisions? Well, That's to me, hard. trading on emotion is kind of like doing something stupid when you're drunk. Steve, have you ever done that? Uh, no. <laughs> Drunk? What's that? Yeah. It may seem like a Stupid good idea today, but tomorrow made. you're not going to like it so much. You know, you're going to look back on it and think, why did I do that? And it, for many people, it's six months down the road. And this is why I say to people, keep a ledger of what you do. Because a lot of times people don't look back on their past trades and they forget about them. They push the bad trades out of their memory. They remember the good trades they made and they don't remember the bad trades. And so they'll tend to overestimate their capability 
of picking investments. Yeah, but I, overall, investments. I also think back about the grease stuff. You know, you were telling yes. everybody, sit calm, you know, just let it do what it does. Brexit, just let it do what it does. And that was pretty good advice. Yep. Sometimes you just got to ride it out. Okay. Now I'm actually pointing at you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can, I confused our poor producer. If you'd like a free copy of today's book, The Little Book of Common Sense, call Dan's office at 918 398 83 Eight seven. Do leave your name and address because it's Sunday. You're going to get voicemail. 918-398-8387. More Money Talk after the news on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Welcome back to Money Talk here on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMG. Coming up in less than half an hour now. Stay tuned for Fox News Sunday. Remember, if you got questions for us today, you can text us at 95920 or give us a call. 918 918- 460-KRMG. That's 460-5764. I had to swallow there. Sometimes that happens to us in radio. <laughs> like when we're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Your host, of course, for Money Talk is Mr. Dan Witham, and Mr. Dan Witham gives away books. That's what right. The Little Book of Common Sense Investing by Jack Bogle, the founder of Vanguard, the pioneer of index investing, started this back in the 60s, I believe it was. His company was started, and he's been doing it ever since, very successfully, obviously, as they're one of the biggest mutual fund companies in the world. I think they're number two now, behind only Fidelity. Uh, Fidelity, which, by the way, is a privately held company, believe it or not. Family-owned company. Not a bad little family to be in, I have to admit. Anyhow, it's the Johnson family who owns it. That's what their name is. And uh, we'll send you this book for free, along with information on our momentum strategies, which are doing very well. Just give me a call at 918-398-8387. Just leave your name and your address when you get our voicemail. We'll send it to you absolutely free. Steve, I know you're on Facebook. A little bit. A little bit. 24-7. Quite a bit. Okay. You've seen pictures of my dog, Mr. Max, Max. on there, I'm sure. Max is not a puppy, although he does resemble one in a lot of ways. He looks like one. a bit. But anyhow, I had a puppy many years ago when Michael was very, very young. My son was very young. We got a puppy, and this puppy was kind of wound up, kind of hyper. So I took him to the vet one day for a checkup. Right? Not like quaaludes or something. <laughs> 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 Just knock him out. Can you do that, Doc? I took him to the vet, and uh, I said to the vet while he was reviewing, looking at the dog, I said to him, you know, he seems to be a little bit hyper. Do you know what causes that? Of course, he rolled his eyes and looked at me <laughs> like you're an idiot. He's a puppy. Puppy. Yeah, that's what he said, but he's a puppy. Congratulations, <laughs> you have a puppy. I went to school for that, too, by the way. <laughs> and I mean, he charged me for that, too. <laughs> oh, man. So. See, it's not what you do, it's what you know. That's so. right. Anyhow, uh, he said to me, congratulations, you have a puppy. You know, I failed to realize that puppies don't sit still no except when they're asleep and even then i kind of wonder if, if they do they have tons of energy and they bounce off the walls 24 7 sometimes we forget that stocks are like puppies some days they're calm and under control other days they're just not and they bounce off the walls and they do all kinds of weird things we freak out you know when they get hyper when they bounce around when the stocks start to bounce around we start to not appreciate owning stocks nearly as much as when they're calm and, and going in a straight line from a to b like we think they're going to do or hope they're going to do so we have to remember that stocks are like puppies that we can't expect them to act any differently their behavior does change depending on market conditions depending on the news story like the jobs number we talked about earlier yep 
you get some weird news story that can throw them into a tizzy, like a tariff or something like that on China or somebody, some other country, wherever it might be, on chickens or tanks or cars or whatever, vans, whatever it might be, regardless of which. What's what are we tariffing now from China? What are we hitting uh, them with? Steel. Um, aluminum was aluminum. Uh, one I think aluminum was yeah. on there. It, they just added a whole bunch more stuff. I mean, it's it's an extensive list. Okay, some thirty-five billion dollars worth of goods, if I remember the number correctly. Right, a lot. Yeah. Um, so we just have to remember that you know the tariffs are going to affect the market. The tariff news is going to affect the market. Usually, as Steve pointed out earlier, it's kind of like Brexit. It'll affect it for a day or two, and then the market will go, meh, whatever. You know, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. And that's kind of been, I think, what's happened so far. And it doesn't mean that's what will happen long term. Yeah, I was going to say, there's but, going to be a difference, right, long term. Well, could be Real depend- effects can occur. Yeah, well, it depends term. on the economic, the actual effect, you know, of those tariffs. The effect is oftentimes different than what the anticipated effect is going to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're back to unintended consequences again. Right. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, if we tariff uh, China's, let's say we put a tariff on China's goods coming into the U.S., and, and if people think, well, the, the markets, we're going to lose, you know, 1% GDP growth, let's just say an extreme example, uh, but but then it turns out that we lose one-tenth of 1%, you know, GDP growth as a result of it. It's just not, the market doesn't always gauge, the market overreacts and thinks it's going to be worse than it is on both sides, you know, for both parties, I'm saying, everybody does this. So the market always overreacts and thinks that this economic impact is going to be much greater than it really is at the end of the day. I don't think these tariffs will even stay in place very long. I think that they're just a negotiation tool. You know, and if that's the case, it probably won't have any effect at all, you know, in the long run on the, on the economy, on either economy, which would probably be the best outcome for everybody, you know. Well, you, you've seen his tactics on a, several issues now. He does. He'll throw out something outrageous and everybody, you know, their hair's on fire all of right. a sudden, you know. But then if you just sit back and watch, it always gets back back up. It right. always comes back to something maybe a little more reasonable. Yeah, Mr. Trump likes to get people excited, I think. You think? <laughs> <laughs> He's a showman. I mean, yeah, no matter absolutely. what else he is, he is definitely that. All right. I'm going to take you back to uh, 1959, Steve. I was there. Were you? Were you? <laughs> I, I was there. Not by, not by far. <laughs> not, not by a whole lot, but I was Because I didn't show up yet. Until what were you, like, like two? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was uh, five, I okay. think. Anyhow. I'm sure you'll know this name. Rod Serling entered, entered, entered wow. into a new show, a groundbreaking show. Yes, he you know, did. Called The Twilight Zone, of course. <laughs> yeah. by, by the way, Google Rod Serling and see what you get. Oh, I have. Nothing. There's really nothing there about it. Oh, he came up, really? came up yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, he did The Twilight Zone. Yeah. But but uh, I saw a documentary on him one time, like World War II guy, did some pretty interesting yeah, things. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you're used to, like, getting a bunch of Wikipedia stuff. Not much there about old Rod. Wow. You know, he had to fight with them to get them to air that series. They didn't want to. I did that not show. know that. I didn't want to carry that show. Yeah, there's, he, he introduced the first show in 1959. <clears> the <throat> first show, he said, there's a fifth dimension beyond which that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears, which is interesting, and the summit of his knowledge. He said, this is the dimension of imagination as an era which we call the Twilight Zone, of course. Beautifully written. Yes. Man. And he said it so well, so eloquently he, he on, the, on the air. I mean, he really delivered it well. And you know, they changed the intro to that show several times. Like no. the first year, every intro was different. He modified it just a little bit. They would tweak the words and change them. I found this out when I looked it up on Wikipedia. They showed the different ones. This is from the very first show, the one I read. Anyhow, the reason I mention all this is because I think that risk for our investments invests in, exists in a different dimension, so to speak. It's inside ourselves. You know, the risk is not in our stocks or our investments, but the risk is in ourselves. I can tell you what the risk of an investment is or what I think it is, but I cannot tell you what the risk of what the investor will do with that investment. Because right. <laughs> Steve and, and Russell could buy, you two could buy the same fund at the same time, 
and something happens, you know, in a month where it drops 5%, one of you might sell it and the other one might not. So you yeah. own the same investment, but you're going to have very different outcomes at the end of the year, you know, because one got, got out at minus five and the other one stayed in while it recovered. And this happens every day all over the world with every single investment. And you mentioned earlier, Steve, you, you referred to Mr. Market. You know, we have to remember Mr. Market shows up at our door every day, offers to buy from us at ridiculously low prices, and he offers to sell to us at ridiculously high, high prices. High prices, right. And without fail someone will engage him in a transaction on that right. day, on every Which single day. Which is why day. he comes back the next day yeah. <laughs> to take another shot, right? And he goes home and smiling because he's always making money, no matter what. Every day he's making money because we are transacting with him, even though you know, we have people telling us not to. Our financial advisors are sitting there saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. We still do it. You ever have a client not listen to your advice, your legal advice, Steve? Pretty much. <laughs> do you ever have a client that just sat there with rapt attention and and listen to every word as if it was gospel. <laughs> no, no, no. I can't say I've had that yes, too much. Saying. So, but, but you know when they do listen to me, it's like, uh, listen to me now or believe me later. <laughs> yeah, then they listen. Well, and one of the things I, I want to point out is that if you ask people, Steve, if you ask people if they're an, a good driver or a bad driver, average driver or above average driver, about 80% of them are going to say they're above average yep. drivers, right? Or this is what studies show. We know that 80% of drivers are not above average drivers because statistically they can't be above average <laughs> <That's> drivers. <right. laughs> it's just not possible. But that doesn't keep us from thinking that we are better at something than we really are. And this certainly can hurt us when it comes to investing because we think we're a lot, there are many people that think they're a lot better at investing than they really are. And they don't know what their returns are. They don't even, they don't really necessarily have a strategy, if you will. I had a client call me up about a couple months ago and say that, uh, the only investment in his account that he had that he liked was one that he had picked or something like that. But he forgot about all the other investments that he picked that were bad that he'd gotten rid of <laughs> over the years. <laughs> and all the times he had told me not to do something that it would have worked out very well for him in turn. And yeah. so it's, we have selective memories. You know, we have to remember that we, <laughs> I'm not talking about personal relationships. I was resisting the temptation because that um, was just too easy. But uh, we have selective memories when it comes to investing. And this is why, we don't want to keep score. This is why we don't like to keep journals of what we do, when we do it, and why we do it. And this is why it's so important to do that. Because we forget half the things we do, the bad things especially. We push them yeah. out of our memory. We try to forget them. And so we don't reflect on them. And then we go out and repeat the same mistake because we don't really remember that we ever did it. Or we don't, we don't remember how bad the outcome was. We might fudge it and say, well, I lost 2% when in reality we lost 10% or something like that. And so if you don't, I always tell people, write it down, write it down. As soon as you do it, write down, before you do the transaction, write down why you're doing it, what the price is and what your motivation for the transaction is. And many times we will find there is no quantifiable rationale for why we're doing it. We're doing something because of Nancy Pelosi, right? Because Nancy Pelosi said this, or Barack Obama oh, said that, or Donald Trump said this. If anybody does anything because of Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> my God. Well, or, or Trump, let's just say, you know, let's say I'm going to sell my stocks today because Trump is imposing tariffs on China. Yeah. And the markets, I think the market's going to tank. So if we write that down, we're forced to actually look at what we're doing and think about the rationale for what we're doing. I think for a lot of us, that may help us realize that it's not necessarily such a good idea what we're about to engage in because there's not really a logic to what we're doing. We try to buy based on logic, but we really end up selling based on emotion um, yeah. most of the time. Yeah. And that's if, if we don't have a strategy, you know, quantifiable strategies. If, if X happens, we do Y. If Y happens, we do Z. I think that's a really interesting way to put it. And I'm not sure you've ever put it so succinctly. We buy based on our strategy. We sell based on our emotion. Absolutely. That is yes. really, that's, I think that is so right on point. And we tend to forget that. 
we don't, most of us don't even realize it. We're not cognizant of that. I think that's a very, very important point is we let emotions take over. On the buy side, we're using logic, you know, but on the sell sign, it's fear. It's usually fear that's driving it. And, and that's a very, very powerful emotion, as we all know. It's a very extremely powerful emotion. Well, that's the guy you talked about a while ago that cashed out to buy gold. Right. That gold gold is a fear cash. buy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And gold is a fear trade. Gold does well in a fearful market yep. and, and high inflation. And that's the only time gold really does well. But it does extremely well. But go back to 08 and 09, and that's exactly what it did. It ran up from 600 to $1,200 an ounce in about a three-year period. And it's a fear trade. That's exactly what it is. And we can't let fear drive our investing decisions. That's all I can say. I mean, that's the main thing is you can't let fear drive your decisions. You've got to have some logic in there, both on the buy side and the sell side. All right. Well, I'm going to make a decision to take a quick time out. I'm not fearful about that at all. And I'm also not fearful that if you call Dan, he's going to send you a free book. It's called The Little Book of Common Sense Investing, and he'll send it to you absolutely free. Just call his office at 918-398-8387. Do be sure and leave your name and address so they know where to send the book. More money talk after the break on News 1023 KRMG. Got the papers and the trash. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I'm going to just pause for a second. No, I won't. I just like this song. We, can we just... <laughs> Teason, welcome back to Money Talk here on News 1023 and AM 740 KRMT. We're yakety yakking with Dan Witham and Steve Money. We're here every Sunday. Coming up here in about nine minutes, your top stories in the KRMG 24-hour Fox News Center and your forecast. Stay tuned. Coming up next hour, we've got Fox News Sunday. Meanwhile, Dan's giving away books. Let's remind him one more time what we got. Sure. Great book this week. The Little Book of Common Sense Investing by Jack Bogle, the founder of Vanguard. You can get a free copy of it and the information on our momentum strategies. Just give me a call at 918-398-8387. That's 918-398-8387. Just leave us your name and your address when you get our voicemail, and we will send that information out to you absolutely free. And I think Steve wants to plug the uh, thunder real quick. Oh, yeah. If you happen to be in the neighborhood of 41st and Garnett this morning at Reesers, you might have seen the Thunder Express football bus uh, coming back. They won a their first-round playoff game in Clarksville, Tennessee last night, won 41-6. Had a little bus trouble, got here late. So those big boys have been on a bus for about 25, 26 <laughs> hours. <laughs> and they were unloading at Reesers this morning. So a great win in the playoffs. I think we go to Mississippi next week. Good deal. Thank you, Steve. Congratulations, Thunder. Yes. All right, Steve. I'm not talking about Facebook here. All right. It may sound like it. If you're going to play the game, you need to be aware of the rules. Yes, sir. Would you say? Yes, sir. Okay. Have either of you two either played blackjack in a casino? A couple of times. Not in a casino. Okay. I have a couple times. In a, and it has but to be in a casino. I for am this not thing. a gambler. Now I'm okay. curious about what were <laughs> yeah. you playing at, man? Okay. Uh, and we won't ask about just that. Friends. <laughs> um, so anyhow, Steve, let's just say you're sitting at the table. And what do you think happens if you touch your chips after the dealing starts? They don't like that. They don't like that. They will either reprimand you or ask you to leave the building. That's right. So that's if you're lucky. But if you go in there and you want to count some cards, yep, you'll get taken to a nice little room in the back where there's no cameras. And, and, and a ball-peen hammer. Yeah. There's not, it's the only place in the casino where I guarantee you where there's no cameras at all whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So you got another rules if you're going to play blackjack in a casino. Uh, rule number one for investing is there are no rules. Anything can happen. You cannot predict the market, nor your investment. You can only control your response. That's my thought. It's kind of a street fight. Right. No marquee of 
Queensberry's rules or whatever. That's right. Well, you can't control what the market's going to do, and you can't control what your investment's going to do. Correct. We always want to do that. We want to think that we want to have the illusion of control over the investment and or the market. We don't have control either. You can only respond. The market is made up of millions of irrational people making irrational decisions based on reality but on their perception. In 2008, Barack Obama was swept into office. It did not matter who the Republicans put up to run. They were not going to win that election. I agree with that. It was the perfect storm. Yep. It absolutely was. And the Republicans were in power, so they were taking the heat, which is what normally happens, right, Russell, in the it's U.S.? It's a pendulum. It right, swings right. So back it, and forth. And so Obama, there was no way, in my opinion, that Obama was going to lose that, that election. It just wasn't even possible. Yeah, he won the um, primary that's where he won right. that office. Well, but but I'm, yeah, but in the, but I mean the general election. Yes, I'm referring no, to general election, you're not right. the primary. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, so anyhow, let me take you back to another time, 1984. Ronnie Reagan, my hero, <laughs> was running against Fritz Mondale, who's a very good man. I have, will never From say anything. Minnesota. I've never said anything bad about Fritz Mondale. I, I like him. He's a good man. Reagan carried 49 of the 50 states, almost became the first person since George Washington to be elected unanimously by the Electoral College. Wow. Washington did it, did it twice, by the way, which is phenomenal if you think about it. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. Okay. Anyhow, so let's look at what but, but the situation— how many situation... states were there then? 13? Yes. <laughs> Something like that, probably. Anyhow, um, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is what, what was the economic situation when Reagan got reelected? Was it great? No, it wasn't. Unemployment was still above 7% in 1984. Well, you're still living the uh, Jimmy Carter days. Well, things were getting better in 84. There's no question. The economy was recovering, but it still wasn't fully recovered. But Reagan, the issue was Reagan made us believe that we were doing better. He made us believe that things were heading up a lot more than they actually were. And he was very good at this. He was extremely good at this. I I will give him credit. And so, you know, you watch Lee Greenwood singing God Bless the USA or whatever, Proud to be an American and songs like that. And people's perception isn't always the same as what the reality is. This is what I'm trying to say in both cases. You know, their perception, like when, when Obama won in 08, things weren't as bad as they made it look like, but things were still pretty bad. Let's face yep. it, they were, they were pretty bad in 08. They weren't, they weren't pretty high, I will give you that. So what I'm trying to say is they do the same thing when it comes to investing. If people's perception is that things are bad, they're going to sell, they're going to bail, they're going to cut and run, they're going to get out. If their perception is that things are good, they're going to drive the market up. Look at what happened last year, 2017. Mm-hmm. People's perceptions in general were that things were recovering and doing well, and so they pushed the market up, you know, very, very, very fast. And almost as soon as the election was over, the market started to run up. Last year, when sixteen, late sixteen, early seventeen, we saw the market running up. What I'm trying to say is, you have to remember that it's perception; it's not reality that matters. I know no, that your sounds, perception is reality, right? And I know that sounds bizarre and abstract, but that's really what it comes down to. The perception of the investor is what matters, because when it comes to emotions, that's what's going to drive our emotions, and that's what, that's what drives most people's trading is those emotions. You can tell them the market's going to go up, the market's going to recover. You can sit there and point to the charts. It does not matter if they're down thirty percent; they're still going to want to get out. They're still want to head for the exits, because typically we think about survival in terms of today. Not about next year. What's coming around the yeah, pike? Yeah, six months or a year from now or two years from now or three years from now. We we revert to you know survival mode. We think about right now, fight or flight. You know, right now, what am I going to do to survive today? And our, our instinctive response is to sell to survive today. We don't see the horizon for what it is. We look at the short-term horizon instead of the long-term one. And this is how we respond because we are emotional beings. And that's what you have to remember at the end of the day. We're all emotional beings. And the market is made up of just a collection of emotional beings. Because they're all human. 
That's right. I know it doesn't always seem that way. <laughs> All right. Well, if you'd like a free copy of today's book, The Little Book of Common Sense Investing, you can call Dan's office at 918-398-8387. Leave your name and address. That number again, 918-398-8387. You've been listening to Money Talk on KRMG. We're here live and local every Sunday from 10 to 11. I'm Russell Mills. Kim Commando's next. Have a great afternoon. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24.